Hiya, gang. Is it okay if I call you gang? Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, episode 28. I'm Jamie Berger. Shanali Bomek is the leader of the indie rock band Tigers and Monkeys, for which she is the songwriter, singer, and guitar player. She was one of the leaders of Atlanta's Ultra Baby Fat, the band, uh, which was featured on tour with David Cross in the DVD, Let America Laugh. In the past, her bands have shared the stage with PJ Harvey, Ted Leo, Pavement, The Shins, and Sleater Kinney. She also has a comedy web series called Shayla Hates Celebrities, on which Wyatt Cenac plays her boyfriend. On top of all that, she hosts a monthly podcast with her friend Christian Felix called We Don't Even Know. Among the guests that have been on We Don't Even Know are Janine Garofalo, Amber Tamblin, Starley Kine, Amy Ryan, Todd Berry, and Jenna Friedman. They're about to celebrate their 50th episode with a great-sounding festival that you'll hear about. And between all that, she manages to squeeze in her day job as a corporate lawyer. It always seems redundant to me to tease in these intros by telling you what we what you're about to hear us talk about but just this once i gotta say if you stick around you might hear her tell us about the first time she met barack obama Hi, Chanelle. Hey, Jamie. I feel like I just talked to you. It's amazing, right? I feel like I talk, I talk to you often. It's in my head, but, you know, I get to see you um, and your lovely wife often on social media. So, so it feels like we're talking at times. It does. No, I, I feel that. And, and people who, who despise social media, I think, part of it is they they aren't they aren't down with that part of it yep right I, I feel like if you're not down with that part of it you're gonna hate the whole thing absolutely but i feel like i stay in touch with people i never get to see in, in, a, in a little way i yeah I, i've always been a little uneasy with the come with the term superficial being negative when i moved away from san francisco after 14 years i was most sad about I was a bartender among other things and I was most sad about you know it was I think Facebook had hadn't I think we were still on Friendster but but those people a lot of my regulars weren't and there were people who I may maybe never gonna see again or cruise through the neighborhood in 10 you know in three years five years and that made me sadder those little superficial relationships that I wouldn't see again than the people I knew I would be in touch with I'm with you. I'm I'm completely with you. That and that comes from a person, and I, I feel like we may both obviously be very similar because we both have podcasts. You're a person like me who likes people. Yeah, and that's why. I mean, in 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 any way, in any fashion or form, be it on the street in a five minute encounter with someone, I really appreciate just daily encounters with people 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, yeah, I had an ex who was always like, why do you like talking to the, having these, these superficial uh, conversations across the bar with people who you just say, I don't know. I like to say, <laughs> hi, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> especially these days when people are struggling so much uh, since November. Tiny little acts of kindness. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, intense. And um, I don't think, I mean, I guess the, um, the good thing about as of late, I found that I have so many more friends interested, involved, reacting to what they hear and see in the news and wanting to talk, which is a great thing. Because we have to. Yeah, very much so. It, it, it's, a, it's a very, very privileged position that I find myself thinking sometimes that people are going to suffer these four years, but maybe the left in this country is going to become a more vital thing because of it. Yeah. And that's not, it's not to lessen what people are going through now, but, you know, the left has gone further and further towards the center for my whole adult life. Right. Well, privilege is something um, that, I mean, uh, everyone gets lazy. The more privilege you have, the lazier you are. And so a sign, <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, actually being aware or, or um, reacting to, I mean, all these problems have existed. It just hasn't they haven't been as blatantly in our face. And um, especially like I'm, I'm a, a brown girl, right? And I'm, I, and I say girl, mm -hmm. I mean woman. <laughs> yeah, you're an adult, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, those are, I, I would say even that, just like I'm short, I'm, I'm five, two and a half. And um, in many ways, I feel like this is the first time that, so many of us that have this, um, it's, I, I would call it an underground conversation. And that means so many people that I can't even say feel oppressed. It's just, uh, it's almost learned behavior to deal with, um, feeling slighted, belittled, uh, it, it's learned behavior to just deal with it. And, um, over time, when you do have privileged friends around you that aren't even acknowledging it, you know, it, it, when they happen right in front of their face, it's, um, it, it's a tough thing. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have. But now, like you just said, I've had so many uncomfortable conversations and I love it. I love that. It's, it's, it's definitely, um, made so much of us feel stronger. strangely enough because we're able to speak out loud, loudly, clearly, and say, hey, listen, this has been going on, and now you see. At Christmas, we were talking about how you uh, were um, more able to or more involved with both in great ways and frustrating ways. Talk about it more at the office. And let me clarify that on top of your solo and music, uh, solo music career, band music career, podcaster comic actor you also find time to squeeze in being a corporate lawyer and that at the office that is that the conversations are happening more than they were in the yes past. it's 
that's been, I mean, pretty wonderful because, and this is what I was saying. And it's like, you know, they're, and let's just say, um, you know, the white privileged male, that voice has often been the loudest voice in the office. And, um, in these days, I feel like that voice has actually been listening to the other voices. That's been great. That's been wonderful. Wow. That, that is great. And because especially if you look, if you spend any time on Twitter, let alone any social media, it feels like on their, I'm not going to say we're not listening to each other. They're not listening to us. <laughs> I, I don't want to give a false equivalency. There are different levels of ignorance in these in these two sides, and and chosen ignorance. So, but in in getting back to, the, we're going to talk about fame at some point. But the the super yes. the, <laughs> the superficial friendships part is that I I go around full of hate on the internet, but then I go to the gas station, and the guy behind the counter I know if he isn't a Trump voter, he sure as heck isn't a sympathizer with us crying on the left. Right. And we say hi, and it's, 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 it is a human being, and I'm a human being to him, and that's what's good. I mean, especially when you live in a small town like this. I feel like if I were in New York now, I'd feel a lot more, uh, I don't know, differenter. I don't know, how, I don't know what I mean by that, but No, I, I definitely feel for all of my friends that don't live here in the US. And and again, through social media, you actually get to commiserate. And 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 actually, I have so much empathy for these friends that are trying to deal with some really t- tense scenarios um, that I haven't had to deal with here, personally. And, um, you know, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a great city. I love it so, so much. But I'm pretty certain I would be having many more conversations that would cause my blood pressure to go up. Yeah. And, uh, have you been back since November? I have been, you know, it's again, you know, actually Nashville is a blue city. We have female mayor. She's wonderful. She said her, the city would be a sanctuary city. So, um, uh, Megan Barry, and that's, that's, um, one of those things I like to make sure everyone knows is that the South, is there there it cities are cities <laughs> southern states have have urban elites yeah i i was just going to go back to your the friendship aspect i don't even feel like the word su- superficial uh, like you said I, it doesn't express to me those moments because those moments is all we have you know that's all we have and so whatever meaning comes out of these encounters and um of, with people that you meet on a daily basis, you know, they're meaningful and, and it affects us. Um, I can't go, I can't even express how much I feel that I feel that to an extent that, um, if we, if we want to talk about fame, it's that it's, um, it, it's related to that in that. Well, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, that leads right into, I, I've been doing my Chanel homework this week. And just before we spoke today, uh, I was listening to uh, episode forty-one of we we don't even know, and w- w- one of your heroes, Janine Garofalo, was on it. Yes, and she said, and got a big laugh. Validation from strangers defines me. Right. Big laugh. Pause. 
And she added in a tone that clearly made it, it wasn't a second laugh line. She said, no, it does. <laughs> and I thought that would be a good jumping off point about, yeah, connection and attention and why do we want it? Well, I think it's always, um, it, it, it's always placed or projected upon us as this idea that we want, we want everyone to love us. And I don't think that's what fame is. I, I think it's connection. And, and this is the best, in the, in the best light, right? Because there are people, obviously, that I think demand attention in a way that it's just for the fame and fortune. And we, I'm, I'm using the word fame. But, mm-hmm. but, I mean, for me, as an artist, I feel like, and, and not even as an artist, as a human being, my urge, want, desire is to connect with people. And my hope is to make other people feel good and to inspire them to be wonderful people. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like something I probably, I think, figured out when I was maybe 10 or 11. I think I felt this way at a young age. I was really like within my home my neighborhood, I was like always bringing the kids together. When kids would fight, I would sort of be the, yeah, the one that would bridge the gap. And we had, you know, all kinds of kids and we had crazy ones. I remember we, there was a racist family that lived down the street. My sister really had issues. I was always trying to bring them in. And um, when I say they're racist, the, the parents would yell crazy things mm-hmm. at our family. Um Oof. Yeah, which was, and they obviously they didn't really fit in the neighborhood, but I felt for those kids at a young age. Um, anyway, so when I'm just going back to what Janine said, I think the validation, and, and I think I come from a different place than a lot of our comedian friends, um, because I've always, uh, I'm going to use the word social butterfly. I've always been a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of <laughs> true for me too. And I always feel like I was that person that was helping the others that felt like outsiders and, um, you know, without even probably articulating it to themselves, wanted to fit in in some way. And a lot of our comic friends, you know, were, were people that were outside of that circle. And, um, you know, to get that validation of connection, be it late in life, you know, be it at a young age, I, I feel like that's what they're always looking for. Um, I, I, I personally... Um, I, I feel like maybe I'm not someone that's, um, I totally enjoy having someone come up to me and say they've heard my work or seen something I've done and enjoyed it. I really like that. And obviously I'm, I am in no position to say I'm famous, but in a small way, um, I do have, you know, fans that enjoy my work and, and, and I feel for me that is um, something that has just created this huge world for me where I flourish and I flourish um, not because of the fact that a number of people that don't know me love my work, but mostly because it's brought to me other people that I admire. I would say that like a community, you know? Yeah. Um, But I definitely, definitely feel for people that can't 
interact with people on a daily basis on equal footing that are so famous that they can't just be. I really feel bad for that. Like that sounds awful. Yes, I, absolutely. I haven't spoken to anyone yet who who either craves or enjoys that. And I feel like there are a huge number of people in not nah, the whole world who think they want that. I think so. But I don't think many people get it and find that it was a good idea. No, they haven't thought it through at all. I, I don't think. I, and I actually, and um, I remember a, a while ago when uh, I was I was talking with a comedian friend who was moving up the ladder pretty quickly. And I remember saying, and, and he was someone I could make fun of. Um, well, I can make fun of all of them. I do all of them. <laughs> they, you better be able to. They're comics. <laughs> but I remember saying, and, and he would always make jokes sort of like about Hollywood calling him and him being, um, you know, being a Hollywood star. Listen, he wasn't close to it at that point. And um, I always just would stop and say, but you do realize like this is the best part, this process, like really savor this. This is the most free you will be. You are creating the work you want to create. Um, this is it. This is this is what's fun. That part seems very lonely. I feel I feel like I've mentioned this on on too many episodes already, but I think you know Maeve Higgins. Uh, no, but I know who she is. But when we talked, she has right now. I I feel like I thought I'm sure she'd like to be struggling a little less to make her podcast succeed and make a living but she has the best of both worlds in that she was saying it was great to move to new york <clears throat> because in ireland she loves to go home and she gets to the airport and she gets in a cab and the cabbie knows her because she did a lot of radio and then he knew her voice immediately and and she's recognized on the streets and she's not super famous but here she can be completely anonymous still yeah and she said that that it really has, has kind of taught her the value of of keeping that yes so important this city's great for that too i mean obviously you know it, it's also that the way you project yourself i definitely have friends that project themselves in a way where you, everyone's going to stop them on the street because that but then I've had friends that are equally as famous, you know, um, wear a cap, their jeans and dress down. Not that dressing up actually makes you seem famous, but in general, <laughs> just be able to get around New York City and actually have a nice out nice evening out with their friends and not being stopped other than once in a while some someone saying, I love your work. Yeah. It makes you seem like you want to be famous. Yes. When you dress up. Which is which is kind of I wish public or semi-public figures could wear a sign when they want to be communicated with. <laughs> Talk to me, it's okay, or please leave me alone today. Because uh, it's always a dilemma. You know David Cross? I, I, I met him and know who he is for sure, of course. Yeah. So we're we're great friends. He He's a big reason of uh, for why I came to New York. And... um it's really fun to see him deal with his fame. It, it's it, he, he's a unique person in the way he handles it. And I've seen him be so generous so often. I, I don't know if everyone knows that side of him. <laughs> Not, no, it's funny because I've only met him at, at, 
a wedding and uh but certainly on yeah in his comic persona he doesn't come across that way and i i sometimes he says to me like look i'm not as nice as you are i i in terms of dealing with fans or whatever because you know i've i've rarely seen him be rude but if i was him i can't imagine being as generous as he is i mean i i feel like my personality is one that would be as kind as i possibly could be but it's it's as if you know he's got all the time in the world to just talk to strangers and he does it like he wants to spend time with his friends once in a while um no he he does a a, a great job you know he'll 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 say hello chit chat and then just if he wants to move on to a conversation with a friend he'll do it but it's i would say can i just say that maybe he's the level of fame that like he's at a place where it actually is problematic already you know what i mean he, he's not i mean I, I don't know if my cousins in india know who david cross is you know um, but in general i think like he's at a place where it can also not be fun you know yeah 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 i feel like he's just he's just at that 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 almost too much point <laughs> yeah yeah well do you i mean i don't know if you guys have discussed this but i i always you know just like self-discovery figuring out who you are why you do things where you're at um i think i've only recently just realized that um, I am so comfortable creating new art in a small scene, in a small community, and and so satisfied by being around fantastic artists. But there's a freedom that comes with not attaching, you know, money and um, notoriety to it. There's so, it, it's so fun. It feels so good. Of course, there's a certain level that you need to to be able to just get the opportunities to create your art in a free way. But, um, New York is a great place for that. I guess I'm, this is commercial for New York, everybody. Yeah. And, and I'm a little, I'm at this point going on a year in and making this, I'm a little, uh, envious and maybe a little regretful that I'm, you know, I live, I, I've been here in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts for 12 years and I really like it. I never thought I'd live outside a city. I went from Albany to New York to, to San Francisco to Turner's. Wow. And now I'm making this thing and 27 episodes in, I, I've started to really think, I really like this. And if I were in a city, I would be able to get more people to listen to it. And I'd maybe be able to get a platform to pick it up. And here, I really, you know, I I, I kind of, not kind of, I understand for the first time in my life, the the anger and the envy of people outside of urban and suburbia, it, of being of being ignored in America, and, and and you know I I have this you know my last episode it was with the person who is in the past few couple of weeks I've kind of as an acquaintance and a guest uh, and a fan been obsessively following the 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 crazy two weeks that George Saunders has had. Oh yeah, becoming kind of an American Dalai Lama <laughs> um, to, to, to a lot of people, and and the guy, you know, our episode it went up two weeks ago. 
He's answered three texts and three emails from me. How much work is he? And, and then I went to a reading last night in Cambridge. Literally, he signed, he signed books for an hour and a half. And he's just, he's just, he's like, it seems like he's like, my job right now is to give and give and give. And I'm going to do it until this is done. That's exactly right. It, it's amazing. It is. It is. But you know, that attitude is so important because, uh, yeah, there's only so much time that, that you have this. I mean, Barack Obama is somewhere right now relaxing. I want I want to talk to you about him in a minute. Yes. Um, but yeah, the George Saunders, um, I, I've, I listened to your episode and it was amazing. Cause then like I've been, there was articles everywhere. A friend invited me to go listen to his reading and in Atlanta where I'm going to be next weekend. So I can go here, see and hear him. And um, I'm a fan too. He's really great to hear him talk but you know one thing you guys talked about it and i was like oh i don't i'm always suspicious of the remark when someone makes when they say i want to trying to be a good person Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that 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 threw me i was like "What, what what um and you know i have a i actually have a very close friend's amazing musician said something to me i'm just trying to be a good person i was like whoa what what does that mean? Um, yeah, he, he seems to be defining that. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, you know, I don't feel like you need this. Is, this is me. This is like, that you don't need to define it. You just need to do the best you can. Yeah. You are you. You are you. And you're, you don't need to try to be something else other than you. And unless you're Donald Trump, unless you're unless your natural state is being a piece of shit, though. See, that's why I think you're wrong and that you should think about being a good person because I feel like he, George Saunders is, is, is in every way, every day, trying to be aware of not being, when he's not one, let's put it that way. Like he's got his pettinesses and his angers and his hatred and he's, he's trying to check them in a way that almost seems beyond the capabilities of most. Well, that's it. I think it's like when you're saying you're trying to be a good person means you're not. And that's the part. That's, that, that throws me i i just think you well then you need to work on being you know it's just you Mm -hmm. you do need to do some work on yourself and then when you accept yourself as a good person or 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 a new a person that is not always good but but does best to be that i don't know it always makes me suspect i'm like oh what is going on with you it's well, I'm I'm feeling especially suspect of myself in these past couple weeks <laughs> um, because, oh, before I say that, let me just say, when is the show in Atlanta, the George Saunders reading? Oh, it's uh, a week from today. Do you ever buy audiobooks? Oh, you know what? I haven't. Because this is should be your first audiobook. The, 166 people. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a book that, unlike his stories, I'm, I'm very... Uh, uh, pop candy sugary little pop song person i like little contained things more than i like a symphony the book is a great symphony and reading it i got i would get distracted and abstracted listening to it is amazing especially if you're going to drive somewhere get it and then next week when you go you'll be so happy that you did it's um it's great i i was just thinking i will do it after no i'm gonna do it before i i do want to talk about 
uh, my own experience for a minute. And that is that, so I got, you know, you had Janine on your, and you already knew her, your friends, it's different, but he isn't my friend. I wrote him six months ago and said, I'm doing this. You seem like someone who'd have something to say on this topic. And then his world blew up and I made the episode luckily right before it happened. And so I have been, because I'm not connected to a, a podcast network or a radio station or anything, and it's just it's a team of two, I have been pretty much individually tweeting everyone who says they love George Saunders on Twitter for the past two weeks. And I've gotten a nice little chunk of people thanking me. And then the three people who are like, leave me alone, you douchebag. What? And those those three have made me feel so bad. But it's like the only promotion, it's all I've got. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I've, I can't believe that you had those three. Especially That's- George Saunders fans who should at least be quiet and be generous to me. <laughs> Clearly, they might think, oh, he's a desperate little. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the aspect of, of art and the DIY aspect of it that's so tough is, you know, it's so funny how everyone who has a corporate job or works for someone else, be it, I don't know, Comedy Central, whatever, it's so easy for them to promote that place, that abstract thing. But then when it comes to themselves, it's such, we're such fragile, you know, delicate beings and it's so tough, but it's all we got, you know? And, and there's a reason for it. I, I feel like most people should understand that. And in fact, that's when people are sharing what they do that I get so excited about that. You know, uh, so anyway, I'm sorry that you even had No, that. no, that's fine. Um, I also feel like straight white or just straight men aren't supposed to be such fanboys. Ooh. We're not supposed to, unless, unless it's Tom Brady, unless it's an athlete. Yeah. We're not allowed to love like, uh, to be starstruck. And I love being starstruck and being like, I love your work. I want the whole world to know about it. I want to be your biggest fan. You know, I think you, you, you but there is a niche, like, you know, like the nerdy. <laughs> That's true. The nerdy indie rock. I don't know. There's a scene and it, maybe they don't post these things on social media, but at least in the conversation, there is like, there is a big fanboy network, especially in the comedy world. Yeah. I'm know. just, I'm caught in between. I'm not nerdy enough. No, you're, you're, you're definitely not. As but nerdy I'm also enough. not jockey and silent and macho enough. No, good I'm for just you. stuck. You're right there in the right perfect middle of the two extremes that need help. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that brings one other aspect of, of trying to do something publicly, especially in this new world for the first time in a lot of years that maybe in terms of your podcast and your life, you can, you can help me because this podcast is really my therapy. So when you run, when I run into friends, uh, I don't know, uh, Don WFMU, there's a great talker named Hardy White mm-hmm. and he's been my guest twice and I, I'm just a fan. He's the only other person who I, who I contacted just cause I'm a fan. Oh, that's cool. And he said that he never expects friends to listen because why would they want to listen? They get to listen to him and really, they don't, they don't want to hear him talk more. And the way I feel is when I run into friends of mine who've in the past year know I've been doing this, there are a lot of people who are guilty. But if they're not people who listen to talking on the radio, then they should, then, you know, if they're a close friend, they should pick one and listen and then be like, that was cool. I don't do this stuff. 
But so many people will, will be guilty, and I don't want them to be guilty, especially if they don't listen to people talking. The people that bug me are, and I know you're out there, friends. <laughs> and I need your help because it is kind of like, well, Janine Ruffle said validation from strangers defines me. Validation from friends helps a lot too. And it, I know that you're out there and that you are a friend of mine and you are listening and you're not giving me any props. Right. Because Jamie's being needy. But I am needy. I'm doing this because I want people to listen to me talk. I admit it. But if you like the talking I'm doing or the other people's talking is what I hope, then then tell me, tell me you like it. Or give it a click an extra like on Facebook. Repost it. Tell me something so I know. That is so true. But this is where the laziness comes in. I mean, that, that's, and, and this is where it, it's, it makes no, and this is what I was, it even just goes back to where I was talking about w- the workplace versus, you know, promoting somewhere you work and then where your own work. Um, you've noticed like on social media where people go crazy for like, oh, I got my, you know, I've got a short up on Comedy Central site, whatever it is, which is great. It's great. I'm great that people get their work seen by more and more people, but their friends, the, the part that bothers me is like their friends will validate things that are attached to these big conglomerate media conglomerates. But when, they, but when they're doing something on their own, you know, in a, in a small club in New York city or Atlanta, Georgia, or wherever, where that's where they're actually needed. That's where the support's needed. They, they're, I mean, they're not paying attention. I just, and like, why does it mean so much? That's just the distinction of people that actually um, are into the arts and look to new things and are excited about promoting new things versus like regular Joes don't care. I mean, it, it's sad. <laughs> regular Joes. <laughs> uh, you know, but I think it's good that you like really – make it clear to people, look, this is how, that's why, you know, how people on all their, all their podcasts, they tag their Twitter feed and all these things. It's like, it makes a difference. It does. It's helpful. But you're right about that. You know, somebody's listening, you have friends that are listening to your show that are probably not, you know, I I personally took, just so you know, so I get some credit, I took (laughs) your link that, um, your George Saunders link and shared it via text with a bunch of people. Thank you. Yes. No, that means a lot. And maybe somebody else did that, but I think there are even people who are like, I'm going to share this, but I'm not going to tell Jamie. (laughs) And I don't need people to necessarily share it. I just need them to say, Hey, that was cool. Thanks. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. You got to do it. And it's a slow roll, Jamie. You'll, you will not like literally last night I went to, um, so I'm, I'm putting out, with the help of one of my bandmates, we are helping put out comedy albums. In addition to like, we distribute our own rock albums, Tigers and Monkeys via um, the internet through distributors on the internet. And so we're doing some comedy albums and I was sitting in a room where they do have comedy shows and there was a DJ and she was great, fantastic. And when I left, I went to tell her, that I loved the music that she was playing and it was so nice to be in the club with that music playing. And she stopped and she looked at me, she goes, 
I feel like I know you. And I said, we do, you know. And then she said it was your former band. And she, she shout out and sang a part of the song that was on an album with my old band, Ultra Baby Fat, from like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. It made my heart explode. Of with joy. course. Right? So this is that thing that you're talking about. It means so much to just have that acknowledgement, be it a friend or a stranger, you know? Yeah. And it's not asking very much. And it's more of an emotional greediness. It's like one thing George Saunders is doing is he's, I, I was online with everybody else to get my book signed and two people in front of me was a really young, you're right, super nerd, George Saunders, nerdy, like 22 year old. And he was, he was like trying to rush off as fast as he could. And George, George was like, at the end of 30, 300 people was like, Hey, hang on, hang on. And he asked him about if he was a writer and about his work. And it was just extending himself in a way that he really was, had uh, every reason not to want to do at that point. So (laughs) the simply saying thumbs up, uh, it is uh and i love doing it for other people i love saying hey man loved your song and i've always been a groupie for all my my band friends let's let's shift into your work um because you were talking about a slow roll you're coming up on episode 50 of a monthly podcast which is you know i'm on 27 but this is my only creative endeavor so so that that's reasonable i'd have to do about 13 a month to keep up to your your pace of creation uh how did we don't even know start well um that again so so and and i told you like my passion is really one of my passions is to it's almost like I'm an underground talent scout that doesn't get paid, but I am so excited meeting you, like just meeting people that I think have the talent, charisma, wit to do things that they never do. I felt like that with my partner, Christian, that does the podcast with me. He was a legal assistant at the law firm I was, I still work at. And um, this was years ago. He was so funny, talented. He was, he is an actor also. He does among us, amongst other things. But he made me laugh so hard. And I just remember saying, because our everyday conversations, we would pretty much, if we have time, we will talk and chat on the phone, which most people don't do. That's something we do. And we laugh and every day his encounters, he's biracial. Um, He's also sort of like me, you know, in the art world, in the corporate world, got his toes dipped in all these different parts of life that I do too. And so all the stories made me laugh so hard. And so initially podcast started as a conversation for us to share with the world, because I really just wanted to share him with the world. I've had opportunities to share myself with the world. And then it became, let's share, um, let's share and celebrate other personalities that we don't get, you know, it's definitely now become much more of a variety of people so some of them are famous but some aren't and so like we've had the sound man from the Bowery Ballroom who was such a character who I love who's now recording my new album Kenny Lonehart he's just one of a kind New York character you know he has a public access fishing show and he's done sound there for 15 years amazing and then and then that 
podcast became even another thing, which was like, now it's this live community. We have regulars that come to our shows before we did it at home. Now we do it in a club. And so now it's become this thing to itself, which is very Mr. Rogers neighborhood. I wanted to do it in a small space. Yeah. Tell me about the space. Cause I, I hear it, but I, yeah, it sounds like what 50 to a hundred people. It's a small, it's okay. So I used to have a show at the UCB for years, which is pretty big space. And I remember after leaving there saying, I want to do something that is community oriented in a small room. And I happened to pass brownies, which I think you lived in New York city when that was around. Were you It's a rock club on the East village? Maybe. I think it's, I mean, I left a long time ago. Yeah. I left in the mid nineties. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I think it opened around then. Yeah. So it, it is, it is a space that for me, um, I have so, so many amazing memories. Sentimental value is that, that this place was the first place in New York city that I ever played coming from Atlanta rock band. And I saw every amazing rock band from that time frame. It was like mid nineties to early 2002, maybe. Um, the space could not afford to have bands in there and stopped having bands and music in there in the early, like 2005 and became a bar. I walked by, I walked into the bar, the same owner, Mike Studo was there. He, what, he's like an encyclopedia of music. He knows everyone and everything. He's a great character. He said, Chanel, I have a room in the back. It's like a VIP lounge area, but we want to do shows there. Do you want to do a show in there? And I walked back and it was just like, ding, ding, ding. So amazing. So the room probably fits 50 people, um, like packed, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you have like a, a living room setup, kind of? Or yeah, a, a talk show little, setup? It's like little cocktail tables on the side and like booths on the side. And then we put, and there's a little, um, the stage is actually just like a two, three inch like platform <laughs> and it's raised. And then there's just folding chairs and we have a sound person that helps us with music. We just mic the guitars, whatever, make everybody do sort of their unplugged type music. It is so, so not just fun, but it's soul satisfying. It is that thing that fills my heart every month. It makes me feel so good. And it's, it's about the connection. You know, the, the, there are so many people there in the audience that could be on stage, you know, it's just, then that's, and that, and that goes back again to what we were talking about. Why do we do these things? You know? Um, yeah, I, I, there's something about that, that before I ask you what you have planned for the 50th episode, why don't you tell me about your your solo music career and one of the two songs that I'm going to put on here. You know, music is, is, is music is everything to me. And so even though I've been dabbling in all these other artistic endeavor, endeavors, 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 um, it's the, it's the one art form that I know I am. And I've only, again, I feel like this is because I'm Indian and it took a long time to actually acknowledge that I am an artist and I am a musician because um, I always felt the need to uh, please, I guess, my Indian academic uh, world. And so I was a lawyer or I was an aspiring doctor who became a lawyer. Those were the things I, 
And so it's, again, so, so crazy that I was ever since I was a kid, I've been playing music. I, at 16, I think I made a tape, a cassette tape with one of my best friends who ended up playing in my rock band, my very best friend grew up with, we made a tape and it really, it, it, it is essentially like exact states who we are. And it was, we wanted to play music so that we could meet and get the attention of other artists that we loved. Aha. Yes. And that happened early on. It happened quickly. We started being able to perform with people that we were fans of. We got to... Like who? Yeah. Yeah, Lou Reed came to a show at Brownies and told me, you know, said nice things to me after the show. David Byrne was at a show accidentally, I would assume, but he came up to me after the show. These are the things that as a kid I was dreaming of, you know? That's amazing. It's funny. I just looked up a minute ago on a shelf... I have a vinyl copy of Talking Head 77 that I've had on a shelf. And I was like, I want to take that down. And then you mentioned David Byrne. So I feel like that that goal has been accomplished. So now this is another territory of, of, in terms of art and seeing where it takes me. But um, anyway, in terms of the solo album, I had been uh, playing rock and roll with my very best friend for years and years since we were little. And then I moved to New York and started my own band, Tigers and Monkeys. She lives in Atlanta, and she started her own band there. And when I say that, it's because the other band was the two of us together, Ultra Baby Fat, and had a rock band. But anyway, coming here was oh so amazing. And I think this is the city where I just started getting the confidence, and the comedians really were helpful to just perform by myself, guitar and vocals by myself, which... To people that aren't musicians, maybe it seems like a no-brainer and it's easy to do, but it's much, much, much more – it is much scarier than playing with a band with five people around you. And everyone can hear every mistake or every um, – yeah, every mistake you could possibly make. It's very clear. So, And every ingenious moment. Yes. Ingenious. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so it was, it's, it's, it's been, um, it was really good for me. I'm sure I'll do it again. And it's strange to say that I had a solo album because I still had tons of, I say tons, like maybe eight, eight fantastic musicians that played on that album with me. And I do have a band called Tigers and Monkeys, which in which I'm the leader of that band. I write the songs. I mean, musicians help write their parts, but it, it is funny to have to to distinguish between the two. But I think that the solo one was made up of just a time um, where I was expressing maybe more sadness in my life. Maybe that's why people call them solo albums. I'm not sure. It doesn't make I guess it could be a lot of happy solo albums, but I'm drawn to the, I'm drawn to the sad ones. Can't think of a lot of fun happy solo albums. <laughs> Isn't that funny? The distinction is my happy music comes, and not necessarily all happy, but my rock band. The happy the- Nick Drake album. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The song um, 
this song this deals with fame so i thought we should play it it's called star treatment and um the verse i mean it'll hit home you'll you'll listen to it and you'll get every part of the song but it is literally about fame and it's also about those amazing people that no one ever discovers and how much how much how much greatness there is to not being famous
<laughs> uh, now the song will have played. And, we'll, and, and now I want to know what you have planned for episode 50. Okay, so um, you'll love this, Jamie. Okay. We're going to have, we were going to have a great big festival for the 50th, but now it's going to happen two months later. Here's what we hope to do for the 50th. We're going to have an all day. We don't even know festival. And we're going to have it at DC TV, which is the downtown old firehouse off of Lafayette. Do you say Lafayette or do you say Lafayette? I think I say Lafayette, which is neither of those. Yeah. So in, in, in Nashville, it was called Lafayette. Ah. So, you know. And Houston Street. Exactly. <laughs> like we have three performance halls. It's going to be a festival where the programming is unique in that it will be um, a Pilates instructor. Then it will be a workshop on craft work, the band. And then there will be one that's on dealing with race relations in America with comedians and scholars. And then there will be one that is storytelling and stand up by people that have never done that, that are friends with Christian and Chanelli, and we think they would be good at it. And then um, one of the, the most exciting things is that we've been um, putting time helping some um, youth at this place called the Covenant House, which is a place that's like a campus for homeless youth. And they are amazing. So we've been encouraging those students to perform. So we're going to have a half an hour performance. They're all, you know, super talented, which is, it's just, you go to a place like that. And that's probably more for us than them, I always feel, because when we go there, we get so much out of being around these young people that have these amazing attitudes. And they're literally teenagers with no homes. It's it's just a reality check, you know. Um, so anyway, that was a that is a part of what we don't even know um, how it was started. Was what can we do for others, and how can we incorporate that into our shows? It sounds like I'm going to be down in the city for that. What what date do you know? Yes, I want that one. It's April 23rd. It's a Sunday. Do you have any family who are still disappointed that you're not a doctor? <laughs> No, it's, I'm so lucky. I'm so fortunate. Um, my parents are pretty rebellious Indian academics and, you know, and I, I, I think I talked to you about that, but they they were, uh, they had a love marriage, which is unusual in the sixties. They met in grad school and my dad's a sociologist and my mom was studying anthropology and sociology. So although we grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, um, you know, they were relatively really, I mean, progressive compared to most of all the other Indian parents. They're still strict. There was curfews, that kind of stuff, but it is amazing how supportive they've always been of my sister and myself and really not directed us other than we needed to make good grades. We did make good grades. That was Clearly, you both did. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was expected. It is funny. 
there was there was a time, and I always tell this story that my sister called me. Wait, let's back up and tell us because I'm going to ask you about your sister, uh, who she is, and what she does for a living. My sister, her name is Ruchi Bomick, and she eventually, after working. Um, as a corporate lawyer for a year, and then for the Center to Prevent Handgun Violence um, for a few years, ended up working um, for Senator Ron Wyden, and then was asked by a young senator whether she would work for him. And she said, I had to think about it. And that gentleman's name was Senator Barack Obama. I like that slow build there. Right? Yeah. Well, I love that story, because that's literally what happened. She she. She called me. She said, I told him I don't know. And at that time, I'd seen his speech for the Democratic Convention. And I said, oh, my goodness, I know who you're talking about. And um, so, yeah, and her interview with him is an amazing story. But she's a fantastic person who ended up being the LD, the legislative director, at the end of the time that she spent working with the then Senator Obama. And then she ended up transitioning into the White House and um, held many positions. She was, um, they call them, uh, special assistants. And then in the end, she was the deputy cabinet secretary of the white house before she left, uh, two years ago. So I got to witness some amazing things via her. One is she got to meet, meet the president a couple of times. Well, that's my, that's my big question. How was that? How was that? That now there you go. So that's something where that level of fame. I mean, it, it's not just fame, right? It's the person, it's the power, it's the brilliance. Um, that was that's the starstruck scenario that you're talking about. That I do love. I do love. I guess when it's when it's someone that doesn't disappoint. There you go. <laughs> and that moment, the very first time. Um, was a surprise. It was the day after healthcare passed. And I was to have lunch with my sister at the White House with my mom and dad. It was just a coincidence that it was on that very day that they were celebrating, which was a Monday. And we, my dad, my mom and I happened to be sitting. And my dad said, what are we waiting for? And I, at this point, we had just eaten. And I said, I don't know. I remember Caroline Kennedy walked by and that was pretty exciting. And seconds later, you hear this voice, Ruchi, uh, so uh, you brought your crew today. And I knew that voice. And every, I mean, I, you know, those tapes, those, those um, films of the women that see the Beatles, like if I could have <laughs> like, screaming and crying, I would have, but I definitely tried to re restrain myself. I was so, so shocked and excited and took us into the Oval Office. And um, it was amazing. Just, you know, so cool. This man. Anyway, he he said he was going to come to Williamsburg to see my band play. <laughs> 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 ah, so you're, you're going to call in that if he hasn't done it yet? You're going to? I mean, I instantaneously laughed. I said, yo, yeah, we're going to get you. I was at the time, I can't remember the shittiest club in Williamsburg. I was like, oh, yeah, we got to get you in there. Did he put you at ease? He seems like someone who'd be very good at putting people at ease pretty quickly. 
I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if, were you able to breathe at first? Oh, no. I think, I mean, I think, like, I'm so lucky that the, the, what, you, you can't take photos, right? The White House photographer's taking photos. And I got lucky that they caught the pic of me just, like, my hand, I have the double hand, you know, like, one hand on top of his hand on top of my hand. And I'm just holding on for dear life. I don't want him to let go. And um, he, yeah, I think he touched my shoulder a couple of times. It was so exciting. I'm pretty certain. Um, he definitely puts you at ease. And yeah, just what a, what a man. It, those are those moments. There's, there's, you know, you'll never forget. And, um, and, and after that, you know, I got to, when she had her departure meeting, the whole family got to go back in and, you know, what a charming person. And I have this special affinity for him. It feels personal. It feels like family in that he, to me, a man that would be smart enough to bring in my sister, who I think is brilliant and to recognize her talent to me makes him have to be a, just a great person. <laughs> That is terrific. I, yeah. I mean, until, I, until I've spoken to you, all I've ever had is my my fantasy that we 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 were. I think we crossed uh, over one year at Columbia, and I, I like to imagine we were in the gym at the same time playing ball. But I don't remember. I I'd recognize. I remember that kind of skinny guy with the lefty jumper, but I, I don't. So I don't think it ever happened. But maybe we were in the room. It may have. It, it could have happened. But you know what? That's uh, you, you're asking about my family and my parents, I have to assume, I mean, they've always been supportive, but I thank my sister all the time. You know, she's got the kids. She, you know, ended up working the White House. I don't think that there's much, I mean, after that, like what else needs to be done? So my parents are really not demanding of me in any way of being something that I'm not, you know? It's, it was nice. She just did all the Indian checklist happened right there. Boom, 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 boom. Done. I did think of asking you before we ever began this, that how much you're attached to, to your professional career. And if any of these things that you do took off, uh, you hope your employer won't be listening to this, but would you quit? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think that the reason I'm where I am um, I mean, I'm, I'm not on the partnership track. I'm a contract attorney. I've just happened to be at this firm for years. They like me. They treat me well. I like them, you know, and so it's worked. It's worked for me, but um, it's not even an unspoken. It, it's, it's, it doesn't even need to be talked about because it's stood. Um, they're supportive of my artistic career. I, you know, left to go on tour. I have to do shoots. You know, when I was, we were doing those pilots with Variety Shack, we had to take a lot of time off to do things and it was not a problem. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel fortunate in that it has definitely helped. It's, it's like a lot of people say, um, they have a backup. It's like, I I don't think anything's a backup. It just works, you know, Uh, mine's, um, it's there, but it's definitely I, I mean, I, if you guys have talked about career careers on your show before, but I feel like uh, 
I must, I don't know if I'm a hippie, but I believe in some sort of organic sense of being and things take you where you need to be by virtue of just putting the energy out there of what you want to do. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely not someone that's, you know, there's so many people that organized at age 25, like I'm going to work here for this company. They're going to do this and then I'm going to be here. And I, I just sort of believe, I, I, I believe that it will not probably be in the law firm for the long run. And, um, you know, I'll be doing creative work throughout my life. Who knows what that's going to be now? Yeah. And if it's for a living and if it's not, it's, it's doing creative work. Yes. But you were talking about doing the pilot, uh, pilots and, uh, look, I, we haven't talked about any of, of your, your screen work and I, I'm curious about, but haven't watched any Shayla hate celebrities yet, which sounds like it's right up the alley of the show. And I just, uh, this morning was like, oh, wow, look at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. What is it? I, Tell me. So, yeah, now this is, this started out, it, it needs to, I'm right in the middle of it. Like, there's like seven episodes and three of which need to be edited right now. Um the turn of events in our world that have now transpired really fit perfectly for the series that I haven't, haven't made a, a show after Trump yet. Um, it is revolving around a woman that is so in love with the idea of being famous for no reason. Um, she's got a group of her friends, friends that are going to help her, accomplish this goal and she'll do whatever it takes and whatever it takes obviously isn't much in the United States now. Right. I mean, you can be famous for so many things. So, so it's following her and, you know, we have so many awesome performers here. It's been easy to cast and easy to, to put together in terms of talent. It's so much fun. So yeah, on the first boyfriends have changed like the first episode, Wyatt Senex my boyfriend who's just doesn't get what I'm trying to do, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing these. I, I can't believe I haven't yet. Yeah, I think you like, yeah. yeah. It sounds like I, right up my, my 15 minutes I, alley here. Yeah. 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 Hey, what, where did the name of your show come from? Oh, from Andy Warhol's 15 minutes of fame. Ah. Everyone, you know, has, and, and it, I, I've, I've, I have mixed feelings about it because of the number of people who don't know the quote and thus think the episodes are going to be 15 minutes. Right. But I think I'm going to have to live with that. Yeah. Don't even, it, it, you know what? It, it draws you in regardless. <laughs> and then you're stuck. Yeah. But it's a great thing to be stuck. I hope like, so. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe no, some people are just giving it 15 minutes and then cutting out, but that's okay. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. So the idea of, you know, of we all, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes is the quote that Andy Warhol apparently stole from someone who he worked with, whose name I can't remember right this minute. Oh, we got to figure out that name. I'm yeah. No, it, on one of the episodes, I say his name. It was someone who worked with him on the exhibit when, when that first got discussed. I love that what you're saying about this podcast being therapeutic therapy for you, because um, I love knowing more about you. <laughs> the only pe the only people I've heard that from are friends of mine who I don't see very often, who 
I think it's kind of like having a phone call where they don't have to talk and they get to see what Jamie's up to. And then, uh, and then because of in the first 10 episodes, I was very, very reticent, uh, and about talking about myself. And I, I just let the conversations, if they led into something that was part of related to me, I would go into it. And two things made me change that a little bit. And one is, uh, a friend, uh, Lois, who's a who's a shrink in San Francisco, was very critical of me for for not talking about my own feelings about fame more. And I said, I just and and I can't do monologue after the election. I did a, a really, it feels good to me, a great episode uh, with my friend Andrew Leland, where right after the election, I really wanted to talk about how I've hated Donald Trump since I arrived in New York City in 1982. <laughs> I mean, I've known him all my. I mean, it's not like any horrible it's not like dan quayle mixed with satan as president it's dan quayle mixed with satan that i've known forever and i wanted to rant about it and i I kept trying to record something on my own and i couldn't so i said andrew can we just do an episode where i do most of the talking and so we did and it felt really good uh uh and i think some people felt a little uh a little uh it helped some people a little bit um but that episode and the fact that people reacted well to that and that so I'm sorry, getting back to Lois said to, she was like that. And I'm like, I can't do it. And I don't know whether it was her idea or my idea. I think it was mine. And I said, why don't we have a session? Uh, uh, and so we have a, uh, an episode where she asks me things about why I'm doing this. And since then, and the fact that nobody told me it was disgusting because I felt really squirmy about doing it. Uh, I've tried to open up a little more. Oh no. Yes, you should. There's that, and there's uh, another friend who was on, who's one of the great non-famous people who's who's done episodes. I think some of the best. This show wouldn't be any good if it were just me talking to people who have various levels of fame and what it's like. Uh, my friend Nora, who is a musician, but is very not, non-committal about it. She has a, a, a nine-to-five and a career that she's very attached to. But she talked about how her uh, kind of love and obsession with uh, What the Fuck and with Mark Marin. And I'm kind of the opposite. I only listen to Marin when someone I know is on because uh, I think it's just my own little trip that he reminds me of the worst aspects of myself, his neediness. His, his, and, and, and I understand why people love him. But I listen when John Lurie's on or someone that I, I really... Uh, but she talked about how uh, for her, it's a very important part of her life that this is someone who keeps her company once a week. Like this is her friend in in her headphones. And I would love to be people's friend in their headphones if they want me to be. So I'm trying to to say to accept that that's part of this and if some people oh, it like is. it, that's great. It is. Um do you ever listen to Howard Stern? <clears throat> I used to when he was on the radio radio. Yeah. Uh I I, I yeah, I've I've always had mixed feelings, you know, like everybody else in the world. Uh yeah, I, I understand. But he, unlike Marin, who I suppose if I did listen to every week, I'd start to get attached to, even though he drives me kind of crazy. Yes. I could listen to Howard because I don't feel like I'm like him. <laughs> so I don't I don't feel yucky. I unfortunately am not able to hear Howard much anymore. But there was a while when I guess um, I was able to stream him on my phone through YouTube and listen to I think you could still do that. I just don't have the ability to do it now. Um, and 
I was amazed how that man, when there's so many aspects of his career that I've hated, you know, became, I, I honestly think of him when I'm doing my show. He's so talented at, at, and, 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 and it's showbiz. He's really smart about it, but just being himself, being his pathetic self, his best self, and really asking questions that are so real and honest and um, just not the same sort of superficial, shallow stuff. He makes you feel like it's a friend that you want to keep up with. And I feel like, Jamie, you're doing that too. That's about the nicest thing anyone said since the show started. I'm getting choked up. I, I, I'm gonna. Anya has a story about meeting uh, Howard. See, I'm I'm deflecting here. Uh, simply when she lived in Manhattan, I think on the Upper West Side, one day like they were they they were walking down the street at the same time, and he walked along and talked about and talked to her and asked her about her tattoos and then very respectfully left. Wow. That's awesome. See, so that's a, that would be Howard is one that I'm starstruck by. I've, I've been invited to go to his studio cause there was uh, you know, one of the guys on his shows, I met him out and I said, I'm a huge fan and, he said, hey, come to the studio. And I still haven't gone yet. I, I feel like there's buildup. Like, I better go, though. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just so in awe of his talent. There's, to me, it's so talented. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, if, if you hate Howard Stern, probably you, you haven't listened to him very much. And the word talent is, is a strange thing. I, I've never understood People in radio talk about Rush Limbaugh's ta talent. I don't see it, except for, for <laughs> manipulating people. Uh, not as an entertainer in any way. I, he's a, he, as a repulsinator. I don't know. But 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 to, the word talent is so ephemeral in this in this in this world of talking on the radio. You know, people talk about I'm a, I don't see it. But Howard, yes, there's a very odd and and Mark Maron. There's a charm there. And what I've learned since I've been doing this, I've spent a lot of years having really mixed feelings about Terry Gross, but ever since I've been doing this, I appreciate what she does so much. And since she's been doing interviews and, and opening up about herself in the past couple of years. That's much better, yes. Oh my God. Marin interviewed her. Did you, have you heard that? No. Uh, and she's so open and it blow, blew my mind. It, seemed, it really changed my feelings about her so much because she seemed so protected on her show, I think she feels like her show isn't about her, and and that's that <laughs> kind of. And she, but check that out; it's great. I think um, the one show is the one where she was with um, Gene Simmons. That one, the famous oh, interview. That's that. so amazing. <laughs> that could be the most amazing piece of radio ever made, and it's hard to find now. But you can find it. So that's where I gained like a newfound respect for her. I just went, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. Any 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 disdain I have for her is is that I think of that, and that's so. Let me just tell listeners: if you've never heard Gene Simmons of Kiss, was on Fresh Air and was about as big a pig as you can be, and not get thrown off the radio, and she 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 hung in there, and she let him make a fucking fool of himself, and she didn't lose her. She was amazing. 
so yeah, that was that was great. And if you can find it, I think you can find it on YouTube or some places. But I it's I, I think the Fresh Air people have taken it down. Probably lawsuit threats from Gene. Oh, that's true. Uh, he's a very Trump-like guy. Oh gosh, good. Yes, all ego. Oh my goodness, I had a friend who was sitting beside him on a plane, and he said, <laughs> "But you know, he was he was the one talking to my friend Andy. He was just." Gene's like initiating conversation and then he pulls out a credit card and it's a kiss credit card and he pretty much this is a true story pretty much says like it's just like he's so psyched check it out he's talking to a stranger about his kiss credit card oh my god is that that seems like someone wrote that right and this is like 40 years into being a star yes that's crazy. That's so crazy. So crazy. This is where we're at. We're at a crazy place right now. Yeah. Sad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's why this is important. We all have to keep talking. We have to keep talking. They got to keep it. Um, keep hope alive. That's what we have to do. Which kind of sounds like a really a, a good kind of winding down point. What What's the other song that I'm going to... Uh put in here oh yes okay so the this song is the first song on uh, my solo album which is called 100 oaks revival the album is and um touch just a touch on that that title comes from this strip mall that i used to go to as a kid in nashville all the time it was my favorite mall and still there it's called 100 oaks and um all right so this song's called all her things. And as an afterthought, you know, a lot of times you write songs, they just come out of you and then you figure out what they're about. And, um, I, I listened to that song and I feel like it really touches on one, um, making sure we pay attention to all the women in our lives and in the world. Um, and, it's called All Her Things. When you hear the ver- co- course, you would understand more of what I'm talking about. Just pay attention to all these amazing women in your life and actually acknowledge what they do and how much they do. And the other part is just being grounded in, in your daily existence and enjoying the things that come to you.
I'm going to see I'm going to see you in April. Episode 50. I'm looking forward to that. And again, Jamie, the beauty of all this is connection and talking and it makes me happy. So I really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you yep. very much. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. You can find the Many Wonders of Shanali Bomek by searching her name. So let me spell it for you. S-H-O-N-A-L-I-B-H-O-W-M-I-K You can find We Don't Even Know by searching for We Don't Even Know anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can find the band Tigers and Monkeys at tigersandmonkeys.com If you're new around here, and you'd like to know what some of those other 27 episodes are, you can find them at 15minutesjamieberger.com. That's 15minutes, J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. Sorry to sound like a broken record, but please, if you like us, rate us and review us on iTunes if you have an account, even if you don't listen to podcasts via iTunes. It's important and it's not worth explaining, and we appreciate it. Thanks, as always, to Ed Patnode for making the sounds sound good. 
This is 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Berger.